guys. Welcome to Touch by Prayer. I am so happy and excited because we are going to talk about prophecy. Oh, yes, we are, because prophecy is so needed right now. My goodness, if we didn't have prophecy, where would we be? My, there have been there have been ministries that have been launched through prophecies, and there have been um, callings that have been launched through prophecy, all through prophecy. So prophecy is so important. In fact, it says in the Bible, it says that that's one of the gifts that we should ask for the most is the gift of prophecy. But how do we get from the prophetic word to the finished product? Because there is a process. Yes, everything has a process. You don't just start baking a cake and put all the ingredients together and voila, have a cake. There is a process. Sometimes there's some cooking. Sometimes there's some things that you have to do. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about how you can get the prophecy, the process to get to your promise. My guest is uh, Dr. Don Hughes. He is an apostle and he is a very good friend of Touch by Prayer. And I'm so excited to have him back. So without further ado, let's bring on Apostle Don Hughes. Hello, Dr. Don Hughes. Welcome to Touch by Prayer. I am so happy to have you back. It's been quite a while. Yes, ma'am. And I'm excited, but you know, we got to be good because Apostle Fram just tuned in. He's watching us. Now. Yeah, I know. That's my, that's my spiritual papa. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. my spiritual papa. So we're just gonna, let's uh, get some, uh, let's get some comments. Let's get everybody to share. Sharing is caring. Sharing yep. is caring. So let's get everybody to share. Make sure that um, if you are on uh, YouTube, please make sure that you hit the like button because it changes the algorithms. Did you know that? Come on. That's it true. does. Yeah. And we got to get this stuff out because these teachings, oh my gosh, your book is going to, it's going to blow some people's minds. So let's, let's just bring up what your book is, which is, here we go, Prophecy, The Process, and The Promise. And I love that title because especially right now in this time, people just think that it's kind of like a magic eight ball. You get a prophecy and if you don't like it, you shake it up again and try to get something different, right? <laughs> you know, it's awesome that you said that, sis, because um, this morning I was working on um, a message for Sunday. And um, now this will upset some people that are in fivefold ministry, but don't hate me. I'm just quoting the scripture. Mm -hmm. The three different occasions, Lisa, the Bible said, don't touch my anointed, but watch this and do my prophets no harm. All right. He let's did. clarify that because I know that there's something in there that you're trying to allude to. So well, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, nowhere in scripture did it say, don't touch my apostle don't touch my evangelist. It just said, don't touch those that are anointed. But then he gets specific on three occasions. If God says something once, it's important. Mm -hmm. If he says it three times, we better get a hold of it. And what I'm seeing happen today in the body of Christ is because of seemingly in the natural right now with the pandemic and with the election of how everything looks right now, today is kick to the curb day, every prophet. Come but here, here, here's the problem we don't understand. And you and I talked about this before we went on the air tonight. The biggest problem we have 
is God does not live in time. Come on. We live in time. So when we hear prophecy given, we immediately put it in our time frame. We frame it and we put a name on it and we think, well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. What he said, what she said by this time and by this month and by this week and by this day. Well, like we said before we went on the air, the problem with that is it may be a Friday that the promise comes. But this won't be popular, but it might be five years. The reason I wrote the books is, is I told you, I started writing it two years ago. I got the Ford and the preface done. I set it down. I pushed it away. Well, about a month ago, four or five weeks ago, I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to begin to write now. And especially with all that's happened and happening. Mm-hmm. And what we don't understand, we'll give you some biblical examples during the program tonight. But here's what we don't understand. There's a difference between what I find in scripture, whether it was God, a prophet, an angel that prophesied, since it was detailed names, dates, times, destiny, purpose. But here's one word we don't want to talk about. And more times than not, it's in the prophecy. God would put this little phrase in there. I will make you Mm -hmm. a great nation. I will make your seed. In other words, that was future tense as far as we were concerned, even though in the mind of God, it was already done. So every person, and you and I were talking about it, it's so amazing, the same Holy Spirit about Jacob. Mm-hmm. Well, my, yeah, let's talk about that. Come on. Three of my seven chapters on are on Jacob from his prophecy. Here's the three terms in this book. God creates with his word. And then he begins to form another Hebrew word, potter us through process, through transition. And listen, folks. Quit letting the devil tell you that process is punishment. God's not mad at you. He's pruning you. He's getting some of Egypt out of your mindset, some of Egypt off of you. There are some things that, yeah, you've had some fruit, but you've got to allow the process for some of that stuff to get off of you because it can't go where you're going. Every new season requires a new language. Every new season requires greater fruit. So what happens? We get this prophetic word. You're sitting in a meeting and and prophet Lisa calls you out. Boom, 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 boom. She reads your mail. Man, you're shouting. You're running around the building. You fall out four times and they have to throw a blanket over you. They have to help you to your car. You're drunk. And then it seems like the next morning you get up and all hell has come against you. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes God wastes no time in starting the forming process. Listen, Israel, oh, glory to God. Israel was always in Jacob. Oh, but come Jacob on. did not know it until he went through the forming process. And the whole time God said, Jacob, and you, if you, you sure won't like this, Jacob was a deceiver. Mm-hmm. So in part of his process, God sends him to Laban, who was another deceiver. Who's a Sometimes bigger deceiver? <laughs> you don't even know bad character traits you have till you get around someone else and you can see him real plain in them. And God goes, he taps you on the shoulder, he goes, oh yeah. And the reason you notice it in her, 
The reason you notice it in him, because you got the same struggle. Oh, come on. That's a good <laughs> word right there. That's a, yeah, I was going to say that. Preach. Because serious. Okay. So now I'm getting all feisty. So, <laughs> so this is the thing. I want to talk. I want to go back to the Jacob thing. Because okay. God talked to me today about specifically about Jacob. Because when an angel came to give him a prophetic word, or he saw the angel, he wanted to get a word. He wanted to get a blessing. He said, I want my blessing. And he was not going to let this angel go until he wrestled him. So do you think that sometimes we kind of have to wrestle God in to get our promise? Okay. Uh, you told me before we went live. I told you, go. I could be as honest and sincere. Go. And so between you and Papa Fram, y'all can clean it up next time you have a meeting together. But she said something. Watch this. But before I, let me give this disclaimer before I say this. And thank you for bringing it up because that was the Holy Spirit. There is a difference, folks, between reading your Bible and studying your Bible. Devotional reading is not study. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that said much study is weariness to your flesh. Revelation and insight doesn't come from just reading. It comes from studying, breaking it down, going back in the Hebrew, the Greek, looking up the word, the origin, not just when it was first quoted that way, but who was Jesus speaking to? What was the situation? What was the customs? What was the manner of the day? So watch this. I grew up probably the same Sunday school she did. And I always heard that Jacob wrestled with an angel, just like she said, until I began to write this book. And I, all of a sudden, when I read the whole story and all the scriptures and broke it down in the Hebrew language, Jacob did not wrestle with an angelic being. He wrestled with God, God. himself. I'm so glad God that you said that. Himself. Yes. Yep. And, yep. And in, my, in my book, Lisa, this is what I say. It was the greatest WWF <laughs> wrestling match ever recorded in history. Yep. Yep. But it also shows this, how strong our desires and our will can be, even trying to, we want to do what God's called us, but then when we get in the process, we're combating the very one who's trying to form us to move us on to the next level or to the next place he's called us to. She is right. He wrestled with God. And listen, the Bible said all night long until... Until daybreak. Until what, sis? Daybreak. Okay, that's what it says in the original. That's yep. what it says in the Kings. Now let me tell you to you prophetically. The wrestling match ended when illumination came to Jacob. Come on. When he got a revelation of the word that had been spoken over to him because the wrestling match was over. God had to touch him. And yep. now I don't even know if she wants me to go there. Oh, go, uh, we'll, go. We'll, we'll, we'll wait on that, but watch what happens. So at daybreak, it stops. But God asked him a question, prophetess. He asked him a question. He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. And God said, from this day forward, 
You'll never be known by Jacob. Don't ever refer to yourself as Jacob. You've come through the process. You had one final battle with me. Yes, you were deceived. Yes, you were a deceiver. Yes, you stole your brother's worthright. Yes, you worked for a deceiver. Yes, you only wanted the woman that your flesh wanted, not the one that I wanted so I could bring your promise to pass. See, sometimes we get the thing we're not willing to wait on God to give us, and then we don't like it when he gives it to us. That's right. So well, you know what you just did? You just prolonged your process. Oh. You just prolonged the inevitable. And you want to get mad at God. Listen, God's plan for Israel was a seven to 11 day process to take them into the promised land. They turned seven to 11 days into 40 years. Because they didn't want to go through the process because Thank he had you. to get... That like what you said earlier is he had to get Egypt out of the Israelites. They Come left on. Egypt, but they took Egypt with them. Well, Basin, and and this is what God's been talking to me about. Go ahead. They took the mindset of Egypt because yeah. they've been 430 years thinking that way. Well, it's and also so the way that they worshiped. It was also oh, it was also the the sacrificing. It was the drinking of the blood. It was the eating of the flesh. It was all the stuff that God's like, okay, you guys can't do this no more. Sorry, but it took and them a while. As soon as they got out and started complaining, remember their whole conversation. What was in Egypt? Mm -hmm. It was what was in Egypt that they missed. Now God had just delivered them for four hundred and thirty years of slavery and bondage. God gave one of the greatest wealth transfers in 24 hours that's ever recorded in the Bible. And if that wasn't enough, Benny Hinn's greatest miracle service never compared to that one. Every person that night was healed. There was at one feeble person among three to seven million Jews. Come they on. walked out healthy and wealthy, but they still had an old mindset, which was proof because they had an old language. So God said, you can't take this language where I'm taking you, but we got to start with the mindset and I'm going to take you through a process where you no longer think like a slave or an Egyptian, but you're going to start thinking like a son. Oh, okay. I got to stop you there because isn't that where we are right now, Dr. Don Hughes? Hello? Like, aren't we, aren't we right now trying to take people out of this slave mentality that are constantly in church thinking that they have to beg and plead and they don't see their, that they don't see God as their papa, as their daddy, because they don't feel that they're worthy because they still think that they are servants. Just saying. Well, and no, you're, you're exactly right. But you know what? I don't blame the pew. I blame the pulpit. Well, yes. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying oh, to be kind. Well, see, you have to. You're the hostess. And it's your program. <laughs> but you go for it. You go for it because I'm going to be like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to be mean. No, but, you're not. But here's the deal. The, the modern day church has become more about psychological ministry and three cute little points and a nice little poem at the end, but there's no revelation. There's no move of the spirit of God. They don't allow the gifts. You're sure not going to see deliverance. We don't want to do anything that offends visitors. And yet, how can you kick out the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher, the healer, the convictor, the helpmate, 
the one that the gifts flow through, and then you then get upset when there's no fruit, when you've asked him to leave, because we don't want to offend people. But then what do you do with this scripture, Lisa? Well, Tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. That's right. And you know what? It's also when, when you start to see the manifestation, like there was one time <clears throat> that I, I got hit with the joy and I was asked to leave a church because I was... <laughs> I was filled with the joy <laughs> and every time and every time, like I was trying to keep it like down, you know, I'm trying, okay, go down, go down, you know? And every time I tried to do that, it would spring back up. And so, so one of the the pastors came over to me and, and said, you know, you need to control yourself. And I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, uh, this is Holy spirit, <laughs> you know, because if she would have allowed, if they would have allowed that to, to go out it could have changed the entire thing because God was doing something. But there are so many people who want to come in and they want to control the Holy Spirit. And yet they call out for revival. Oh, Lord, we want revival. But they have no idea. Revival is going to throw them to their face. It might make them spin around a little bit. I'm just saying. You know, and think about this. Here's where the deception and the compromise comes in. So here's what churches now do. Watch this. This is funny. Not really, but it is. Okay. They'll have a banner out in front of the church mm -hmm. and it'll say this, the contemporary service is this time. Yep. So they're going to, they're going to dumb it down for one group and then they're going to let it go there or, or watch this. They'll move the Holy spirit to a back room, to a prayer room. And they justify, well, you know, we let we let the gifts move back there. Well, what if God wants to speak corporately? What if God wants someone who's visiting to see a tongue and interpretation, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, to answer the questions, to believe in the Lord, to get back on track? We flip flop this thing, sister. And here's an apostle Fram and I've talked about this on the Apostles Doctrine not too long ago. There's a powerful program. You can't take away the absolutes of scripture. We have pulled the absolutes of scripture out because they're not popular. But sis, God asked me a question a long time ago, and I want to challenge you too. Don't ever let people say, well, if you'll do this, you'll be popular. Nope. Rebuke them in the name yep. of Jesus. Yep. God asked me a question years ago as a young preacher. He said, do you want to be popular or do you want to be powerful? I said, I want to be powerful. He said, then you won't be popular. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's it's a catch-22. But then some people, if watch this, if they've not been processed, mm -hmm. if they've not gone through the forming self, if they haven't died to self. Well, okay. So let, let's stick to that for just one second. Because when we, we start to talk about dying to self and we, you know, I always think of uh, Joyce Meyer. And I love Joyce Meyer. She taught me a lot. Right. And she would, she would sing there and she'd be like the, I surrender all song, you know, I surrender all, I surrender all to Jesus, you know, but she said, but the reality was she wasn't surrendered. Jesus was like, uh, remember that song you were singing? You're, you're not, you're not surrendered. You know, we want to control everything. And God keeps saying, you know, if we keep trying to control everything, he can't do everything. Because then we become, we become putting, well, basically we put God into a box. Come and on. so what God's been talking to me about, he's like, look, 
either you want to see the fullness of who I am because we cry out, Lord, I want to see your fullness. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. I want to encounter you. But if we, being the people in the pulpit, are the ones who are stopping and blocking, isn't that kind of like keeping fresh manna from the children? Aren't we giving them old, day old like bread? Because we're giving them a regurgitated, easy to digest, milky pablum. And, and God's like, listen, I got filet mignon. When are we going to start cutting that puppy up? You know, and you're right. And one of the gentlemen, I totally agree with him. It's nothing but spiritual abuse. And that's exactly mm -hmm. right. But you, when you said something, I remember this, sis. There's a difference between making Jesus my Savior and making him my Lord. Okay, let's talk about that. I got born again. He became my savior, but he wasn't Lord of every area of my life until I give him all my, my desires, my flesh, my emotions, my will, my this, my that, and lay him at the altar and say, Lord, I'll only pick up what's in your plan and your purpose and in me fulfilling my destiny to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Until we give him all that, oh, we're saved, but he's not Lord. Come on. So then when, when we talk about, you know, I always think about dead man walking. There are a lot of people who really are dead and they're, they're dead. Some of them are dead spiritually, but some of them have died to their flesh and they're able to be used mightily and powerfully by God because dead men don't have feelings. Dead men don't have, they can't get hurt by what man says because they're only being, they're only being fed by what the Holy Spirit is telling them to do. They don't care about, like they're not trying to go out and hurt because the Holy Spirit's not going to hurt anybody. He's not going to ever say something. People are like, well, well, if I let the Holy Spirit in and I start singing things, they might hurt somebody. No, they won't. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. That's not who the Papa is. You know, but they're like, but if I speak in tongues, what if I say and pray the wrong thing? How could that possibly be when you're actually speaking the perfect will of the Father? It's been a really bad theology that I believe that a lot of people who have been sitting in churches have been getting. You know, and... And, and another thought about this process in the, in, in the prophetic word and, and the gentleman, one of the gentlemen said it a while ago, and, and it's actually in my book on more than one occasion, God changed a person's name to match their destiny. And he changed a name during the forming process because he didn't want that. God didn't want him to think like Abram anymore. That's right. He wanted him to think like Abraham because Abram just means father. Abraham means father of a multitude or father of a nation. Even though when God told him that he was, he had no child. When mm -hmm. God first told him that his seed was going to be as numerable as the dust, they didn't even have a child. His wife was barren. So that also proves a prophetic word can even override a dead body and a dead womb, and he can bring back to life, oh, hallelujah, whatever he needs to bring back to life to see that that word comes to pass that he declared over that individual. He changed Abraham's name. Now watch this. And he changed Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. Let me show you how incredibly much wisdom God has. The moment God changed Abram's name to Abraham, we know there was a couple decades before that happened. 
And in my book, there was a hiccup along the way. The mm -hmm. hiccup was called Hagar and Ishmael. That's mm -hmm. another whole chapter. But here's what happened. From that day forward, prophetess, every time Sarah would stick her head out the door and say, Abraham, honey, where are you? He heard father of nations. Come on. Where are you? I might not even have a child right now, but there's something on the inside of me that's being formed, that's being pressed, that's being processed. And I know there's a day coming where I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going to see it and walk in the fruit and the promise of that very thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit with you. So the very first prophetic word, because I want people to also catch this, is that God gave Abraham something to see both at night by the stars and gave him something to see by day with the stand. So he kept reminding him throughout the day, throughout the night, no matter where he looked, he saw the stars, so shall be my descendants. He looked at the sand, so shall be my descendants. When God is going to do something, when he puts forth a prophetic word, he puts out confirmation. Come on. Yes, he does. And why does he do that? He does that all along our life as an encouragement and a challenge to us to keep moving, to keep walking. That's right. Listen, God, you, Jeremiah 1.5, and this is going to be in my book. God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now watch, I know this is going to upset some people, but watch this. Jeremiah existed before he existed. Yes, he did. Come on. He existed in the mind of God. Come on. He, we are spirit first. That's right. He was a spirit being. He existed in the mind of God. And then what does God tell him in Jeremiah 1.5? Before I formed you, before your mom and daddy's intimacy produced you, I already was intimate with you. And I knew you. And now watch this, sis. He said, not only did I know you, I sanctified you in the womb. That's right. I gave an ordination service in the womb without a presbytery there to sign their name on a document. That's and, right. and while you were in the womb, I gifted you as a prophet. And I declared to you that your prophecy as a prophet was going to be to the nations. So watch this. So what does he do? Then he forms him and he goes through process to walk every one of those things out. God is a long range planner. He's alpha and omega. He went to this. If the steps of a good man are ordered the Lord, God walked Don Hughes's life out before Don Hughes did, turned around and said, this is the way, walk you in it. Come on. Okay, I'm going to go one step further with you. There was one time that the Lord said to me, he said, Lisa, everything I've promised you and everything that you are called to be, you know about and agreed to before you came. Woo. Hey, that's called, have you ever had what the world calls a deja vu? Oh, yeah. Now, you know why? Because you have already been there. You've That's been right. there in the spirit. And That's in right. your natural life, you finally just caught up with Come on. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what, why prophecy is so important. Someone needs to hear this. Yep. All the enemy has to do is to get you so discouraged or depressed that you sit down and you stop moving and then the enemy convinces you God's no longer talking to you. But let me help you. 
If God has already walked your life out, that means there are stages and seasons and prophets and prophetesses and men and women and tongues and interpretation that are days, months, decades ahead of where you are right now. And you have to keep moving in the process of God because God has another word waiting on you in another meeting a month from now. And that's why the enemy always tries to keep us not from going to church or going from meetings. Because how many of you have ever not gone to a service and your phone's ringing off when everybody gets home? Oh, my God. What a service. We've never. It's been decades. It's been years. The enemy, the enemy won out in that round. You got to get back. Listen, I just feel like someone needs to hear this. Get back up tonight. Shake the dust off of yourself. You've been knocked down, but you can't be knocked out. You have the wind, the pneuma, the breath of the Holy Ghost inside of you. Revival doesn't start in a building. It starts with a new wind, a new breath on the inside of us as individuals. Get back in the race. I'm telling you, God's got another word waiting on you to get back in the race and moving towards your process, moving through it. And here's going to come another word of encouragement. Here's going to come another directive. And if you'll keep moving, I promise you, you're going to get to the end, the fulfillment, the promise, all of that before you. And you're going to turn back and look. You might not have seen or felt God at certain seasons, but when you turn and look back, you'll know he was there all along, not punishing, but pruning, leading, guiding, processing you. So you look like, act like, think like, and declare like everything he spoke over you. Sorry, sis. Oh, no, that was my stomach's hard right now. I'm just saying that I think there's a, I think I I might be getting a, a new baby in there. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, God is birthing something in this. But I'm going to, I'm going to say this and everything that you said, there's also, we also have to understand that we're coming into a place of the separation, that there are people who can't go with you to where God's taking you because they will stop you and block you from going to where you need to be. And so God's been pulling back people and people are like, well, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. It's just they're past their season. And it's almost like what I keep seeing. It's um, if you ever see like water that sits still, it becomes, it becomes stagnant. And when it becomes stagnant, that's when all the bacteria and all that stuff, it's like, Holy Spirit has to move. Holy Spirit has to keep going. And if you have somebody who's like, well, why don't you just, you know, you just sit, you don't need to do that. You know, uh-uh, you got to keep going. You got to keep going with the flow because as you pour out, he pours in. As you pour out, he pours in. That's the way that it's supposed to be. But if you hold on to the stuff that he's poured in, it's going to, it's going to get spoiled. It's just you like that manna. You said this, and again, I, I apologize. Oh no, please you, go. I'm not trying to make this a book promotion, but you, no, you, no. you said it was. A, so listen, in my book, when and and again, in a minute, we'll talk about cookie cutter prophecies. Come on, we want to talk about cookie cutter prophecy. Get go. <laughs> but watch this. So here's 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 Abram, mm -hmm. and God says to him. Get thee out of thy country, leave thy kindred, thy father's house, everything that you know. The, the, the Hebrew actually says, I want you to leave your comfort zone. Come on. Because as long as you're comfortable, you'll never step out in faith. As long as you got money in the savings account, you won't step out in faith. As long as you, you won't do that. So watch this. God gives him very specific. Now, you think God's 
tough on you. How about telling Abraham, look, boy, where you're going, your family can't even go. Oh, but can Only we talk about wife. the why? Can we talk huh? about the why? Can we talk yeah. about the why? Here yeah. we go. Only your wife can go. Leave your kindred and your father's house. So that's that's chapter 12, verse 1, 2, 3. Verse 4. Watch this, sis. Verse 4. So Abram obeyed the word of the Lord and took Lot with him. Mm -hmm. Wait. Did God tell him to take Lot? No, he did not. God told him, don't take your family. That's right. He said, just your wife. So in chapter 12, at right after a prophetic word and a Holy Ghost hoedown service, he's already in disobedience. Mm -hmm. And God didn't talk to him again. Only one short verse in that chapter 12. And he brought him to Cain and he said, look, what you see, I'm going to give you. And then God doesn't talk to him again. Chapter 13, because he took Lot. And he wasn't supposed to take family. And this is all very, very detailed in my book. He takes him. God quits talking to him. Now, all of a sudden, Lot's blessed, not because of Lot's position with God, but Lot's position with Abram's position with God. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So he's got cattle and herdsmen, and he's blessed. And you know what it happens? Strife breaks out. Mm -hmm. Always. It always does. Strife breaks out. And so Lot and Abraham look at each other and say, look, there's a lot of land out here and we don't need to be in this strife. So now watch, watch what a man of integrity does. Abraham looks at Lot and he says, I'll tell you what, son, nephew. You look out and you pick whatever lands you want. And now let me give you the huge paraphrase. I'll take the leftovers mm-hmm. because I know I can take the leftovers and when I'm an obedient to God, he can make it fruitful and plentiful. So what does Lot do? The Bible said he looks and he sees Jordan and how watered it is and how wonderful it is and all these amazing things. And he goes, I want that. Mm -hmm. But there's one little problem with one little phrase in there. When he left Abram, the Bible said he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Mm Mm-hmm. Sodom was on God's hit list to be destroyed. Mm. It wasn't destroyed yet. But Mm. because Lot's motives weren't pure and right, notice where he pinched his tent towards. That's this. Oh, and this is so amazing. So good. Go look up the word Lot, all the, the derivative of the derivative, all the way back to its origin. You ready for this, sis? The word Lot is where we get our word loiterer from. Ooh, come on. So Lot was loitering off his uncle. Come on. And now watch this. So finally he leaves. Oh my goodness. Woo. He leaves. And all of a sudden when Lot, when the loiterer leaves, now the Lord says when Lot left, God starts speaking to Abraham again. Some of you think God's not speaking to you. Get rid of the loiterer. Some of you think God's not talking to you. Get rid of Lot. Cut that sucker off. Get that out of your life. God has another word, but he's not going to give you a word when you're in disobedient to the last thing that he told you. That was so good. 
So Keep what does preaching. he do? Now God says, okay, boy, you got the hindrance out of the way. Now I'm going to take you into the next phase of your process, the next phase of your forming. Now I'm going to bring you right up to where you can see it. You can get it. You can grab a hold of it. And I'm going to move you into this thing. And now here's the crazy thing too. I mean, you go back go, and go back and study Abram's family. They were a bunch of moon worshipers. Mm -hmm. they, were some, they were some whacked out people. And you want you want to know something that will really mess up people if they're religious? They weren't Jews. Oh, come on. They were Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So are you ready for this? In the mind of God, God birthed a Jewish nation out of Gentile loins. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. And so when he went back, that's why he took the Gentiles. Because they come were on. That's why he went back. That's so good. Come on. That's so really good. God's still talking, sis. God's still talking. But listen, Isaiah, mm -hmm. when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Mm. What, listen, folks, what is the Uzziah in your life tonight that is seated between you? Or you put him or it or her on the throne that only God should reign. Because until that thing dies in you, you're not going to see the plan and purpose of God behind that. When Uzziah died, God, Isaiah saw the Lord seated. Now, here's the crazy thing. Isaiah was a prophet, right? Yes. And, and, and all of a sudden... All of his writings, what was you? What was you? You better get this right. What was you? What was you? What was you? And all of a sudden says he sees God and he goes, Whoa, is me. Oh, yeah. When you really have an encounter with God, it's not so much pointing the finger at everybody else anymore. It's like, Oh, whoa, is me. Mm -hmm. I need some forming. I need some process. Mm -hmm. I need some transformation. And, but you know, that's the whole process with a, a prophet. Like everybody has to go through that process. And if you've never gone through the process, that's why you get all messed up. Because if you kind of have to let God take you, because if you are going to be his mouthpiece, because that's what he calls his prophets, he says, You're going to be my mouthpiece. He also calls us a friend. You are a friend yes. of God. Yes. So if we're a friend of God and we're a mouthpiece, for him, we're going to represent him as a friend. You don't want somebody who doesn't have the character to represent you. If you know what I'm saying, like their character has to be made sure that they're going to represent you well. That's, That's why so there's good. a process. That's so good. Uh, James Mullen, I, I was wondering if he's read my book, but he must study it on his own too, because my book's not out. But he, and it's another definition I didn't mention it, but he brought it up. It's so good. One of the Hebrew names for Lot also means to be veiled. Oh, to veil. Mm -hmm. And so veils and Lot's intentions were veiled when he followed Abraham. Lot's intentions weren't right. And until that veil was removed and he was exposed for his whole attention, until, until that veil is gone. We don't see clearly or hear clearly what the Lord is saying. And I know this is hard for us, sis, because sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's friends. Yep. Sometimes it's family. Yep. Sometimes it's relationships. It's hard to let go. Recent, and, and I shared my testimony in tears. I recently had to cut off 
a 25-year relationship with a spiritual son. Mm. After 25, I cried. It tore me up. I was angry. I had to work through my own process. Mm -hmm. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. But you know what? When it's hard for us to admit, sis, and you said it so good, there are times and seasons there are people and situations cannot go where God's taking us. That's right. And sometimes it doesn't mean they're bad people. No, it they, just means they, they can't, go. can't go where God's taking you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, because I know you want to talk about, I want to hear your thought first. What is, what do you see going on in the prophetic? And, and, and what is your take as a prophet? I've mm. got a, I've got a son in the Lord sitting in the other room in here, prophet Ken Young. Who's, who's a young prophet and God's developing and raising his gift up and he's getting back in ministry. Um, what do you see in your well, perspective? Well, what I see is I, I see the need for the true prophetic voice. I, I, I see that we, we can't be dumbing down the words. And sometimes a prophetic word is, is something where you got to go get correction. Sometimes you need direction, redirection and correction. Sometimes it's not just, you know, hey, I, you know, you're going to write a book. You know, for a while, God just kept sending me people who I kept saying, there's a book inside of you. And I was like, Lord, does everybody have a book? He says, yeah, a lot of people do. He says, but, you know, it just happened to be that season. And so there's this refining process because as we're seeing so many um, voices who are being and, and it's gotten ugly. The church has gotten really ugly. But as I'm seeing these things, I'm seeing that there is a um, it's been it's made a way for different voices to come forward. So it's it's the prophets who've been in the cave. It's the prophets who've been learning to hear his voice that sat by their feet. Um, he said to me, the Lord said to me back in 2018, he showed me the book of 2018 and he closed it and he opened up the book of 2019 and it was completely open. I mean, completely empty. There was nothing written on it. But as I look closer, I started to see writing. And the Lord said, in this season, you need to sit at the feet of the author and finisher to know what to do. That's so powerful. You know, um, one of my dearest friends uh, went home to be with the Lord three weeks after my youngest son was, when he was 16, he was killed in a car wreck here in oh, Tulsa. So sorry. And, and three weeks later, I buried my prophet friend. Um, and he prophesied his death and I missed it because oh. three, three weeks before he died, he asked if I would do his funeral and I told him to shut up. I said, what are you talking about? We're young. We're in our forties. What are you talking about? Three weeks later, he was dead. But I'll tell you, sis, he was the first time, the first person that I ever met that I would say was a true prophet. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what he did. If he was going into a city, to a church, mm -hmm. he would tell the pastor, I would like to come in one day early. You know, if you guys, if the church can afford it, put me in a hotel. I, I don't want a fellowship. I'm, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast. And he would do this. I know him. Mm -hmm. He would take his Bible and a yellow legal pad and he would get in that hotel room and he would shut himself in and he would put on worship music and he would pray in the spirit four or five, six, eight hours. I don't hardly know anybody that does that anymore. And he would pray in the Holy Ghost until God gave him a rhema, detailed word mm -hmm. for that city, for that church, for those leaders, mm -hmm. for that metron, for that region. And we weren't even using words like that back then. Mm -hmm. And when he would get up, 
it wasn't a warmed over leftover you know message from last year that preachers just change the name on because they think sheep are dumb animals and they won't catch it because mm-hmm. they don't spend time with the father they don't spend time with the lord and I would watch him, the accuracy. I have a video here, a DVD. The last time he preached for me in 1991 in Northern California when I had my church. And for, I had it. And I've had it for years in a box and I didn't even know I had it. And about two years ago, I found it. And I pulled it out. And I I couldn't watch it, sis. I put it behind me in my desk right back here. And about a month ago, I pulled it out. I started watching it. In 1991, he prophesied a pandemic of fear going to be the greatest enemy of the church before the Lord returned. Come on. In 1991, he detailed it with scripture and examples in the Bible. But he watched this, but he preached it in 1991. We didn't experience it till 2019. Yep. And yet he reached into the realm of the future out of his, oh, hallelujah, out of his intimacy with the father Mm -hmm. and declared a word. When a prophet gets up many times, says that word is not just for a brick in a mortar building. Mm-mm. It's sometimes it's a right now word, but sometimes it's a now word and a word yet to come, a word yet to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. fact that he could reach into the, the future 20 something, 30 something years and and in he's in heaven now and seeing that word replayed out. And the only reason I know, because I went and watched it. And I watched it and I would laugh and I would cry and I would worship the Lord. And I'm and, and of course, then I'm missing my buddy. But you know what? I'm believing, sis, that like you said, there are prophets and prophets, prophetesses. And let me, can I just say this? Why do we have to say that? But please don't say that. I I, I just was going to smile and just be like, mm-hmm. no, it's prophets. No. It's prophet. Because I mean, it, then we still make yeah. it a gender issue. Yeah, it's not. I, it's a prophet. I, I, I think Angie, I think. I think and Prophet Andrew said it the other day. How come there's no such thing as an apostolus? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on. It's just prophets. And, it is. and the story. Seriously. And, so, and sometimes in our own misunderstanding, we bring division by the things we say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- I believe that there are prophets mm-hmm. that some of them made mistakes and walked away. Yes. But let me tell you something. God told me two years ago, prodigals are coming home and the church needs to get ready. I agree and with that. And last year he added a phrase to it. And prodigal pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers are going to come home that fell, made mistakes, got out of mystery, got written off. They've been on the backside of the desert. They've been having encounters with me. They've been having encounters with the Holy Ghost. Nobody knows them. Charisma, not asking them to come be on the program. Sid Roth ain't invite them to that supernatural, but they've been having an encounter with the Holy God. Come of on. Israel, and he's restoring them. Last Sunday, two Sundays ago, my young prophet, my son of the Lord, he preached. That was the first time he'd preached in 13 years. Wow. 
He had a time, a season away from the Lord. And I mean, had an encounter with God, him and his wife, restoration, got back in, put his hand to the palm. Man, now I'm going to have to get a tricycle to keep up with them. I and mean, they're running, 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 go, 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 go. But you know what? There are hundreds and thousands of people like that, men and women of God, that God's going to raise up and give a platform, a new one, a re or another one. And people don't know their name, but I'm telling you, they're coming. There's a day coming. They're going to know these people that God's raising up. Oh, I agree with that 100%. And I'm also, oops, okay. Um, and I also want to say that because they've been called back, you know, from the, and the father's been talking to him and he's refined them, that they're going to be able to show how they, you know, there's so many people who have discounted other people, but look at Peter. Peter turned on Jesus. He said he didn't know him. He was so embarrassed. He went back to become a fisherman. He actually left. He didn't want to be there anymore because he was so saddened as he betrayed Jesus because Jesus wasn't just betrayed by um, by Judas. He was betrayed also by Peter because he, and he even told him, he said, this is what you're going to do. Hey, I would never do that. Well, <laughs> hello. But what's beautiful is that who did he come to? Who was the first person when he saw Mary Magdalene, when he resurrected, Go tell Peter I'm back. Go tell Peter. Yeah. Go tell yep. Peter. So he was instantly mm -hmm. restored. And, and that's the way that I believe that people make mistakes. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say things, but I will say that sometimes if you if you choose to serve man as opposed to serving God, I think that you're going to have to be pulled back and clean back up. I think that we've come into a place where man has been the controller of the church and the controller of God. And God is like, no one will control me. No one will take my glory. No one will take the glory from God. And so when the prophets are speaking and they're truly the prophets of God, God said he is going to finish. He's going to do, he is going to make sure that the words that they say are going to come back. It says that the word of God does not return void. So if they're saying these things and they're standing on these things and they're not being shaken or moved by what yeah. man is saying, because let me yeah. tell you, there's a lot of prophets right now who are standing on the words that God is saying. They're not backing up. They're not shying away and they're not taking a knee. You know, this time of taking a knee like they did in the football where they were taking a knee. Let yeah. me tell you something. That's that's bowing to something other than God. Just saying. You know, you said something about the Apostle Peter, and I love it because you know, some of some will think this is a little humorous, but for a lot of his life, he was a schizophrenic believer because mm -hmm. he was Simon and Peter. Sometimes, <laughs> he, was, sometimes he was both. Sometimes right. Jesus Simon, Peter. Simon, sometimes uh -huh. Jesus called him Peter, sometimes said Simon, Peter. In other words, you're a reed in the wind. You're tossed about here and there, and yet you're supposed to be a rock of revelation. Even the apostle Peter had to be processed. Yeah. And once he was processed in his final denial of the Lord, the third time, he went out and he wept bitterly. Mm -hmm. Those two words, wept and bitterly, he wasn't sorry he got caught. He was sorry for what he did. Absolutely. And the word wept and bitterly, when you put them together in the Greek language, it means this. He pierced through to his own deliverance. Oh, come on. 
So what happened from that day forward? He was never referred to as Simon again, but the apostle Peter upon the revelation I gave Peter, not Simon, I'm going to build my kingdom and I'm going right. to build my church. Even he had to go through process. Absolutely. Stop beating yourself up because we, you made mistakes. I've made mistakes. She's made mistakes. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's the getting back up that forms you, that trains you, that equips you, that we learn through and from that makes us be everything God's called us to be. I know we're getting close to the end, sis. Um, um, if I can say real quick, the, sure, the book, you mentioned the book. Um, uh, it is pre-release right now. Uh, it's being uh, edited. I've got a couple other chapters that I'm working on. Uh, I have a pre-order uh, campaign going right now. I've asked for 100 people to pre-order the book, $20. And uh, that's helping me pay for the cover, the professional editing, the spine, uh, the printing, uh, my first printing, all of that. And uh, as of this morning or last night, I had 68 uh, pre-orders already sold of the hundred. So I'm, I'm, I'm very close there. Uh, she'll put up my PayPal account is on it's the up screen. There. Right now. It's already um, if, up there. If you don't use PayPal, if you use Venmo or cash app, go to my page, Don Hughes, message me and uh, I'll give you that information. You can order that way. If you want, maybe you want to order one for your pastor, for your leaders. Uh, it would be a blessing and you're going to help me. I've just given a little bit of nuggets of, uh, almost 30,000 words that I've written so far in this book. So uh, you'll be a blessing to help me get this out. And I believe it's going to be a tool in your hand to encourage and challenge you and give you a, a, a bigger picture of where the church is right now, but more importantly, where God's taking us. And let me give you this one final thought, sis, then you can close how you want. I opened my book with the prophet Amos. The prophet Amos was one of 12 minor prophets. And if you read, you know, the way the canon of the scripture of the King James Bible was put together, well, Amos is this little tiny nine chapter book towards the very back of the Old Testament. And it's only nine chapters long. So we, we almost think maybe it's a little insignificant. But when I did my research and historical research, I found out that the book, the prophet Amos is the oldest book ever written in the Old Testament. Even wow. though it wasn't placed in till towards the end, it was the oldest book. So if it's the oldest book, then we have this thing called the law of first mention. And many times when God mentions a thought or a theme or a person, that thread runs throughout all of scripture. So even though he was a minor prophet, he was the oldest book written among prophets in the Old Testament. So watch this. Nine chapters. In 141 verses, he is mad. He's the voice piece of God. He's against the northern kingdom of Israel. They're not treating people right. They're playing, you know, we're better than you. We don't like you. They're not taking care of the elder. I mean, he's just rebuking the snot out of them for 141 verses of nine chapters. He gets to the last five verses of chapter nine and five is the number of grace. And he stops the entire thought pattern. And God says, but I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to do this. I'm good. So watch this. I believe even according to scripture as a prophet, 
Yes, you can bring a strong word. You can bring a word of correction. You can bring a word of challenge, but there needs to be a redemptive resolve at the end. Give them an answer. Don't just beat the hell out of them. Put heaven into them. Give them a resolve to say, look, you get through this, make right what you need to make right, because here's the promise. Here's the fulfillment. God wants to take you through and to. Amen. That's, that's so good. That's so good. And that kind of is one of the things that the Lord's been talking to me about what's been going on with our country. And he told me, he said, he said, Lisa, he says, the enemy is trying to turn you into Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, but I have called you Nineveh. Oh, come on. Isn't that good? That's so good. Isn't that Mom. good? Come on. Yes. So, and that's, that's the whole thing, you know, but, but if you look at Nineveh, and if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah, it was intercessory prayer. And it was because the intercessor who was only Abram, Abraham, who decided to stop praying, he stopped because God, God told me, he said he would have stopped for one. And who was the one? Lot. He would have. You're exactly he right. He would have stopped for one. He would have. But, but it was because Abraham came into agreement with what the enemy wanted to do, which was to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. But it's always the father's heart to restore. When you look at Nineveh, God sent a prophet because he realized that intercessors maybe not, maybe not so good. So he sent a prophet and he sent Jonah. And when he sent Jonah and Jonah went to the king and the king heard what he did, he told the entire, all right, everybody, sackcloth and ashes. When they got on their faces and they repented. So if you look at that second Chronicles where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear them and heal their land, right? Okay, so if you look at that, but what happened with, with Jonah, he got mad because God said, all right, I changed my mind. I'm not gonna destroy Nineveh. And he got yeah. mad. Yeah. He don't wanna go tell the king. Oh, come on. So, so is it that if God is calling us Nineveh, is he just waiting for the prophets to say that we are going to be redeemed, we are going to be restored, Come that on. this is going to be a place where regardless of what we're seeing right now, that God ha still has plans for us, that you know, he doesn't want to destroy us. You, you gave an incredible story. There's so much revelation and prophetic insight in there. I mean, really, um, uh, Jonah had some racial issues. Ah. He didn't really want to go minister to the people God wanted him to go to. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you know, he fought that call. And, and listen, God's going to put a call on your life, but it's not where you get to go pick. That's right. You can go and maybe have some fruit, but you won't have more fruit. You yep. may see a few things, but you won't see the fulfillment and the potential that you could. He was, I mean, let's face it, arguing with God. Really? Jonah argued with God. But, you know, she said something that's so powerful. I know if you're religious. This is going to mess you up, but don't tell me prayer and intercession can't ever change God's mind. Absolutely. 100%. God told Moses, I'm so fed up with them people. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start all over. Moses intercedes. Mm -hmm. And it's right in your Bible. Don't, Don Hughes didn't write it. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Bible said God repented of what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. to Israel. It's in your Bible. But you ready for this? We never heard this in Sunday school. Moses talks God out of killing them. Moses goes down the mountain, sees <laughs> them, 
And he, he wants to kill him. Him. And he goes and has him killed. Yep. God showed mercy and grace. And That's Moses right. went right back under the law. That's and right. That's right. And that's where I feel where, where we are right now. Because if God said, I have called the, I've called America Nineveh. Come on. He's just, okay. he's just waiting for the prophets to go and tell the king. And Because and I know, have heard, I have heard their cries. Come on. That's yeah, what I'm I heard. I'm writing notes as you're talking. This, I mean, this, this is good stuff right here. This is good. I, you know, hey, let, um, let me tell you. I I told I told Michael. I told I told uh, Papa Fram about that. Papa Mike. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know. What did you What did you tell oh, him? He, oh, I told him about the Nineveh and Sodom and Gomorrah. He was like, "Oh, that's good. That's really good. That <laughs> oh, that's really good. good. But <clears throat> you know, but that see, that's that's the thing." is when you get a prophetic word. Well, what is that prophetic word? That means that God has restoration in store for our country. And yeah. who is he telling it to? He's telling it to somebody who is called to be a prophet. And so what am I doing? I am sharing and I am proclaiming right. what God has said. Right. Okay. That God is already. So even though it might seem that touch by prayer might not touch, but it's because now that that voice has gone out, that prophetic voice, that declaration of what the Lord has said, it's now going to be established. So I've been saying it as much as I can. So it gets established. So it gets heard. So it's yes. not about me, but it's about his word coming forth. It's about him going forward. And that because if we don't speak when God tells us to speak. We're, we're really doing a disservice because yes. if God can use a donkey, he can use you. Come on. You know, you know, sis, you said it too. And I, I want to encourage you, but some folks before we go off the air. Yes. Don't let the abuse and the misuse of the prophetic prophet. You listen to me. Don't let it cause you to stop opening your mouth. The Bible said God shows secrets to his prophets. Mm -hmm. Now I am going to challenge you prophets. Listen to me. Ephesians 2.20. The kingdom of God is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. One of the greatest tag team duos I know is Apostle Michael Fram and Prophet Angie Dorman. Yep. I've seen them minister together. I get to minister with them in Odessa, Texas this fall. We're going to have a blast. I can't wait. But you know what? Prophets, let me encourage you. Yes, you hear from God. Yes, you get words from God. But just like I get revelation as an apostle, there's wisdom and safety in bouncing things off other ministry gifts for confirmation. And yes, it's like right now. I've got three different men of God reading my book as I write chapters and I'm saying, am I right on? Is this right? What is your thoughts? Cause they're friends. I know they're going to be honest with me. Prophets listen to me. When you get that word of the Lord, I think there is a tandem in the kingdom. I think that's why he said apostles and prophets are foundational. I think it's good that there's communication between apostles and prophets, apostles, man, listen, prophet, prophet Lisa, listen, listen to this revelation. God just gave me in this verse. And this, let me tell you, what do you think about this? And then you be able to say the same apostle, you know, God gave me this word for this, for this region, for this city, for this church. Let, let me throw it at you. What you think? 
that that's not saying you don't hear from God. It's just some wisdom that we keep from repeating some of the things we've done because the enemy wants Jezebel to rise up. Let me just tell you something in my spirit. I said this once a week, a month ago. I'm going to say it again. Jezebel is about to get thrown out the window again. Come on. Come on. She is about to get thrown out the window again. Yep. And prophet, get up from under the juniper tree. Come on. Shake the dust off yourself. Put your hand back to prayer and intercession and fasting. Come on. Hear the word of the Lord. God's got things he wants to say and do through you. We need you back in the race. Come on. That is so good. That is so good. And I, I'm just going to um, share this one other thing that God gave me, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. The Lord started talking to me about the five fivefold ministry, right? So we have the fivefold ministry, and I saw it as the hand of God. And I saw that the prophet sees what to do and tells the apostle what, what it is. The apostle starts to build it. Then the apostle calls in the pastor to take care of those who are a part of it. Then he starts to call in the teachers to teach what they're doing. And then he sends out the evangelists to go and get the others who haven't heard yet. You know, the first time I'm going to give you credit, <laughs> I say, I say, my friend prophetess Lisa gave a word. The next time I would say, oh, God showed me one day when I was in prayer. No, I'm just, you know how we do. You know uh -huh. how we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I thought, I thought that that was such a great way to explain the fivefold ministry. And if you see it as God's hand. Yes, ma'am. Because yes, we, because we that. talk about the different parts and we, we use our hand, but what if it's God's hand? And Come it's because now. God has a purpose and he has a plan, but he needs people. And Come he on. needs okay. the builders. The builders That's are the good. apostles. They know what to do. They know how to organize. They know how to structure. But it's the prophets who are the, they're the ones who are seeing what God wants them to create. What, what do we have to build? Well, let me, let's go get the, uh, the prophets to go into the future like you were talking about before. So I'm going to go into the future and see what God is showing me. And I'm going to grab hold of it and I'm going to pull it into our present so that we can start building into it. I got to tell you, sis, you're so easy to flow with. We got to do this again. I, <laughs> I love would love it. to. This, I would love is, to. Whenever you want, you just let me know and we'll do it again. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe we get you and me and the Framster on. We <gasps> wouldn't have a hold out, all three of us. I wouldn't be able to talk. You know that. I would not because I sit back and I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh! Because the revelation between the two of you, I would be, I would be, I would be shocked if I could actually get a word in edgewise with all the wisdom that you guys carry. But, but um, Apostle Don, you are just so amazing, and I am so so grateful, and I'm so excited about your book. And so, just in case people can see, I want to pull this back up again. Okay, let me just go over here and get rid of this little thing. Sorry. Okay, so if you guys are interested in pre-ordering his book, you're going to go to his paypal.me forward slash Dr. Don D as in David Hughes. And so if you just go to that PayPal and there's a place that you can actually put like a little note and just say that you would like to pre-order his yeah. book, which of course his book is called The Prophecy the process and the promise. It doesn't have an and because all three of them are connected. So it doesn't oh. need to have an and because oh. it's one big word. It's the prophecy, the, the, the process, because and you have to go through the process to get to that promise. So and if they, if they do that, sis, PayPal or whatever they choose yes. to do, 
uh, make sure tell them to put their address in there because I've got a form we've already started. And that way, when the book comes off the press, we'll have their address. It'll go in the mail. We'll sign it and we'll Mom. shoot it straight off to them. Well, I am so glad that that you have uh, shared this. I mean, I think it was such a timely word. I think especially with everything that's going on, I think that this is going to help people to understand where we are and the importance, the importance of the prophetic word, because God is speaking and he is speaking to his friends, the prophets. So um, I'm going to put you off for just one second. Um, Love you. So say goodbye. Okay. And guys, thank you guys so much for coming on. I hope that you guys were blessed by this because I know I was. Holy moly. That was some serious, serious revelation. Okay. So there it is again, the prophecy, the process and the promise. And again, if you would like to go to Apostle Dr. Don Hughes, you're going to go to PayPal me, uh, paypal.me forward slash Dr. D Don Hughes. So you definitely want to go there and uh, go show him some love. And you know what? You can also, if you don't want to get the book and you want to bless him because you got some feeding, hey, let's say, I think you guys got some steak. I got some some definite meat going on here. So uh, thank you guys so much for, for coming on and for sharing this. Share this, share this, share this. Make sure that you hit the thumbs up and uh, I will see you guys next week. I have Tyler Johnson. Oh, heck yeah. We're going to talk about some dead raising. So you definitely want to tune in. So thank you guys so much for coming on. Remember to go out and touch someone. Bye-bye.